This is the Accidentally Intentional Podcast. I'm your host, Zoe. I hate small talk, and I'm ready to have meaningful conversations that build us. Let's go. What you're about to hear is a conversation between two Christians who have experienced church hurt, meaning that we have felt at one point hurt by people that go to church or are in the church, but it actually looks like every other type of hurt outside of the church too. That's really what it is. It's just hurt, though it happens to be related to the church. It always seems to feel worse because aren't church people not supposed to act like that? I know that's the question that always crosses our mind, and it's it's one that we all have to think about as how we conduct ourselves as well. And our conclusion is that whether you belong to a church or not, we are all human, which means we are all unfortunately subject to messing up a lot in life and hurting a ton of other people along the way. And so we discuss how we have learned to wrestle with this fact and even heal in some cases. And so, hey, whether you consider yourself to be religious, Christian, a churchgoer, whatever phrase it is, or not, none of the above, Hey, we invite you into this conversation about learning to walk through pain that has been caused by other people and also confronting the pain we have caused to others as well. So, hey, thank you so much for being here and thank you for listening in on what we believe is a very important conversation. If by the title alone you were tempted to just click away and think, I don't know if this is necessarily applicable to me, or maybe it hits so, so deep that you didn't want to listen to it, I actually want to invite you um, into this conversation because for that very reason, I think it's a really important conversation to have. And to kind of set the framework, um, today we're going to be talking about church hurt, as you know from the title, but I think it's important to just kind of explain that when we say church hurt, obviously we're not mad at a building, right? (laughs) We're hurt by the people that are inside of church buildings or um, people who claim the name of Jesus and have injured or harmed someone's soul, spirit, uh, and the like. And so this conversation is actually coming from a firsthand perspective from me and my really good friend Mackenzie, uh, because we are actually two people that have experienced quote-unquote, church hurt from one another. And uh, we met doing a ministry, which traveled for uh, every year on the road, and I was on the tour team for one year. And um, in case you wanted to know what traveling in a ministry looks like, um, just imagine living with 14 people, seven girls, seven guys, um, and you're talking about abstinence, okay? And um, you are talking about Jesus all day long, and the only time you're actually alone is sometimes in the bathroom. Other than that, for an entire year straight, you are surrounded by other people. So if you're like an introvert, it's your worst nightmare, and if you have anxiety just listening to that, welcome. That's what it was like uh, being on tour. So needless to say, tensions got high very often. And so um, Mackenzie and I, I think I can say that we hated each other for for a little bit of time. There was just strong animosity between the two of us. Hate is a strong word. It is a strong word. There was animosity is a good way to say that. (laughs) Um, And so basically, I think it's important for us to to talk about Mm. this today because uh, I led a small group last year and I let people choose the topics that they wanted to discuss. Um, And the first topic that was chosen was how to find community. And um, I'll never forget this moment because when we all sat down for the first time meeting as a small group, I asked everyone in the group, who in the room, if you can be honest, can raise your hand if you've experienced quote unquote church hurt. And every single person raised their hand. And then I followed up by asking, now, if you're honest with yourself, who in the room can raise your hand and say that you have been the cause of someone else's church hurt and every single person raised their hand? And I'll never forget that moment because this is so prevalent and it needs talked about. So Mackenzie and I are going to just go into it today and try and cover a lot of bases. This might end up being two episodes. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so with, without further ado... Sit back, but also lean in, relax, <laughs> and uh, and just 
be part of this conversation with us. I don't even know where to really start with this, but I think it is um, so common for people to feel hurt. And we've gotten to right this cancel culture mm. area where people don't really want to get over mm. something and people want to hold on to their pain. And I think um, for me, there's been moments where literally, like just recently, I was just telling you beforehand, but to, to bring you guys into this, I got really upset at something someone said to me a couple weeks ago, and it was so small. Like it was not a big deal at all. And I was telling my friends who, of course, are my accountability system. And I said to them, I cannot believe this person said this to me. And they were about to talk. And I said, no, don't. Don't try and hold me accountable. Don't tell me I need to let it go. Don't tell me I need to forgive them because I am choosing to be offended right now. And because it feels good for like two seconds. Yeah. But like, why, why do we think that feels good versus like actually trying to release it? I'd love to hear like your input on that. That's a great question. So um, I... Immediately, the first thing that I thought of was um, <clears throat> sometimes we feel better when we have community based on a common enemy. Sometimes it's much easier mm. to feel like there's comfort in numbers. And if we can all hate one thing or one person, then you feel like you belong, mm. even though the hate is what kind of is eating you alive. Jeez. No, that's, that's so good. And I mean, I think we can both say we've both experienced that. Oh, yeah. And that's both and, ends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the, like scary parts about this is it becomes a systemic thing within like a, ch a church building or ministry function yeah. because how do you approach something without <laughs> saying how bad the other person was yeah. for doing said thing to you yeah. because it's, it's so close to the line of gossip, right? which almost inherently turns into this like choosing sides situation right. as if there's like a breakup. I think it's easier to live in that gray space. You know, I think, um, we have the opportunity that whenever one person hurts us, we can seek that reconciliation like that really quick if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. And when we choose not to, we kind of, uh, store it like, like ammunition mm. We take a bullet and we just store it in a little backpack or something. Yeah. And then another person from that same spot says something or makes an offhand comment or does something or doesn't do something that frustrates us. And then we put another one in and another one and another one and another one. So good. And yeah. we don't take the time to deal with the shots that we've taken from them, each person as an individual. And then all of a sudden it turns into this gray spot because now it's the organization that hurt you mm. or the, the ministry or the church as a whole that hurt you because we didn't take the time to address the single bullets. Now it's the whole, yeah. it's the whole building. Yeah. And when you have a massive vague thing, there's nobody that you can reconcile with because you can't quite pinpoint it anymore. You can't quite say, you know what? I can't, I mean, yes, there was that one incident, but then you know what? Just the, the whole, just the whole thing is messed up. Right. And yeah. then you're at that spot where it's like, well, how do you reconcile something that is a whole thing yeah. if you can't find that pinpoint? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how do you think that gets lost in translation that we're not even able to pinpoint it first and then it just causes this, this snowball effect? Like what, what needs to happen? I think there needs to be a little bit of maturity happening mm -hmm. to be a lot faster and saying like, Hey man, that hurt my feelings. Yeah. And then on the other side, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. It's okay, I forgive you. Thanks, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. if we just stepped into that conversation yeah. more often and we had humility on both sides to do that, I think the world would be happier. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is really, really interesting you say that because just to give people some context um, based upon what, what you've said, and, and I want you to share your story in a separate episode, okay. but a Cliff's Note version is that you <clears throat> became saved and became a follower of Christ mm -hmm. practically while you were on tour with a ministry, which is unheard of. Yeah. Because most people, Unwise. yeah, well, most, <laughs> most people usually would, would vet, right. Are you, do you believe in Jesus enough to do ministry talking to about Jesus? leadership? Yeah. So you actually had to learn all this in probably the hardest way possible. Yes. Because you were seen as a leader before you 
even were one. I think, right. I think we can commonly say. So what did those first moments look like? And where I'm trying to channel this is my favorite. And when I say my favorite, I mean, I hate when people say, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hate when people say, I'm just really not a confrontational person. Sure. Why is telling someone the truth and trying to redeem a situation perceived as confrontation to us? Oh, like, where did that come from? And, and was that your experience? Like, yeah. was, was that jarring for you? Yeah. Because it felt like confrontation when you actually you were trying to close the situation. Yeah. So when I, being on tour, when I was, when I first got put on the team, mm-hmm. that position is a leadership position because I was put in a role that other people coming to our events saw me as a leader. Yes. Right. I don't think that that was a wise choice because I was a baby, baby Christian. I just didn't have my feet underneath of me. I didn't, there were so many things that I didn't know. Um, I just wasn't very, I just lacked maturity in so many ways. So all the ways as a baby Christian, can you just address what, what you mean by that phrase real quick? Oh yeah. Like I, I, I didn't have any real like disciplines in my life. Like my faith, my faith hadn't yet become my oxygen. I, I hadn't like chosen to spend time like praying and worship and reading my Bible and in community and having conversations and trying to understand this God that I love and serve. Mm. Like I, I definitely felt something was shifting inside of me. Like all of a sudden I I didn't want to do the things that I had been doing up to this point. Mm. You know, like I had like the marks of a Christian, like there was something clearly that shifted in my soul. Yeah. Um, but I, I looking back at myself, I was not in a position to have been given such a hefty task of leading other people at that time. Um, and I'll never forget um, my first experience with a Christian and forgiveness. I'll never forget it. I had uh, taken a, um, a comment that one of the girls had made on the team about one of the guys on the team as she was interested in him. And mm-hmm. so me, coming from a very dramatic past, yeah. uh, filled with gossip and drama and, and all of the things, um, I went and I told him that, and I said, if you ever you know, like want to ask her out, I'm sure she'd totally say yes. Well, he went straight to the source and asked her if that was true, if she, she was into him, because he wasn't into her and wanted to make that clear to her. Oh, Yeah, my. I know. And so she came to me with tears in her eyes and was like, hey, and this was the most beautiful way that I, to this day, probably have seen a Christian handle something. Um, that was a real, like I'd really hurt her and I didn't intend to, I thought yeah. I was like doing her a favor. Like yeah. I, I thought I was, you know, trying to sure. be helpful. Um, and she said like, if you, if you're ever curious about like, if I'm interested in somebody or, or anything, like, just please ask me, don't tell somebody else that really hurt my feelings. And it really almost could have damaged my friendship with mm. this guy. Um, and I was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I genuinely, I, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to hurt you. And she gave me a hug and she said, I forgive you. I'm going to cry. And then like, I literally sat there and I was like, wait, that's it. Like, this isn't the bad girls club where like you grab my hair and I grab yours. (laughs) Like, this isn't like a, you storm out of the frame kind of thing. Like that's it. And she's like, with tears, still crying from the pain that I just caused her. She was like, yeah, I, I forgive you. And I was like, I, uh, I don't know what to do here. Hmm. And then she, then we were just normal. Yeah. And so that, it was the most bizarre thing I had ever experienced. Wow. Um, and that was your first experience. And that was my first experience with a Christian and forgiveness. That's crazy. And so she set not only an example, but the standard incredibly high. Yeah. I mean, it was like a very formative time in my faith. And so to have that, I think I was, I was really blessed. Now, did I do that to others? Not so much. No. Yeah. There's this facade of power that you hold over somebody by not giving them permission to, to have your grace. Sure. I think is what it is. And it's, that's so confronting whenever, you know, even as I'm saying it out loud right now, I've never said it like that. And let me just pause right here and say that I'm so sorry if you've ever experienced hurt from anybody in a church, um, especially if it was from me, goodness, I'm so sorry. And I, and I hope to be able to tell you that to your face, but even if it's not me, I just want to apologize to whatever extent I can on behalf of other people because obviously these are two people talking right now who were saying what, like quite openly, we don't have it all together and we're still getting it wrong to this day. But we're having this conversation so that we can 
be better and so that we can we can participate in what this word is called sanctification that's becoming more like Jesus every single day and I think that's the challenge that we want to have and that we want for each other too um which gives us a little bit of a different perspective yeah because um when it comes to somebody in the church hurting you I think we can all say we've seen this done so wrong like observed it done like it doesn't even need to be us we can see that this has been done really wrong because one people are taking sides but two rarely are we going directly to that person Mm -hmm. and I think that um on tour I mean this was said more than anything else like whenever I'm about to say this I hear your voice saying it in my head like this (laughs) and it's it's saying go to Matthew 18 oh that's a good thing yeah okay and it's and how- I was nervous. I didn't know what you remember me saying. <laughs> <laughs> I got nervous though. <laughs> um, and in Matthew 18, they're talking about how when there is an issue or a disagreement of some sort in the church, your first action should be going directly to the person. Yeah. Um, and addressing it because so often it can just be done just a misunderstanding yeah absolutely. that easy yeah absolutely and how often we cho- we purposely choose not to do that and mm-hmm. it feels better to just release it yeah and hold that and hold that grudge but I I just really want us all to not be afraid to be human yeah with one another and not to be afraid to say hey I'm I'm hurting yeah that what you said actually really hurt me what you did actually hurt me um and having the ability to say it, because what if they don't apologize? Like, this is what I'm hearing. This is the excuse. What if I say that and they're not sorry at all yeah. for what they did? How, how can we cope with that? Because I know that there are people watching mm-hmm. and listening who have never gotten that apology. Yeah. And because of that, they think they are entitled to, to harbor that resentment. I remember in college, I was very upset at somebody for years, actually, quite honestly. And someone said this sentence to me, and I almost punched her, to be honest. I was so mad. I was like, <laughs> as if my blood couldn't boil anymore. The person said to me, you know, God loves that person just as much as you, right? Yeah. And I was just like, you coming up here, come to my face, <laughs> telling me I'm hurting. I'm trying to tell you what she did to me, and you out here telling me God loves it. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, I had to take a step back and realize, yeah, well, why do I think I'm better? Yeah. I'm literally talking about her behind her back. It doesn't right. matter what she, like, it's all on the same level for God. So I heard one time this phrase, and it really kind of got me. Okay. And somebody said to me, forgiveness is similar to like drinking poison, hoping that the other person will die. Ooh. And I thought, part of me was like, fine, let me have my poison. <laughs> I'll Romeo and Juliet this thing. Yeah. yeah. Hysterical. I'll drink the poison and still hope they die. Um, but then the more that I thought about it, I was like, no, that's 100% right. I mean, how often is unforgiveness just you in your own mind thinking and building up the scenario and replaying it and replaying what they said or what they didn't say or what they did or what they didn't do over and over and over and over and over again. And actually you're the one consumed Yeah. and they're not. Yeah. Most times they don't even know, or if they, they do know, then that's something that they have to work out. Right. But we are not called to like carry the burden of hate. Mm. Like Mm. that's yucky. That just feels awful. That's such like, a good way to say that. To think about that and to feel like that, you yeah. know? Um, and that's what it is. It's a burden. Yeah. That's what you're holding. Because you're, you're consumed by it. All of your thoughts, yes. everything. Yeah. And you're hoping that in your own consumption of this anger, that somehow the other person will be affected. And then if, we, if our own mind isn't enough, then we go to other people and we want, we want a common enemy, right? So then we start talking about that person who hurt us to this person. Now we're tainting their view of this person. Yeah. Right? Yes. And so all we're doing is just like spreading the burden of hate. Mm -hmm. So if this person ever meets the one that hurt you, they're like, oh, she's the, hold my gold. Yes. Even though they don't know anything about that person outside of your hurt. Yeah. And girl, you might just be wrong. Yeah. I mean, you might be the one in the wrong. Yeah. But this person might never know because they haven't heard this, the other side of the story. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Maybe you've been challenged listening to this and you're like, okay, so I can go to the person. But like, what if I pop off on him and then just get really mad? Like, is that okay? <laughs> how, how could we give someone a game plan for, for how to appropriately address their pain mm. in someone else reg- re- that doesn't, that isn't dependent yeah. on the response yeah. they'll get? Yeah. I remember, this is a silly story, but it was like a perfect example. I remember when I was um, living in... Spencer at our first apartment. Spencer's her husband. Sorry, I was trying to get that out. Let me try it again. (laughs) I remember whenever Spencer and I were living in our first apartment in Ambridge and we had like 15 flights of stairs that we had to go up. Okay. And I had to go to the laundromat because we didn't have a washer and dryer. And so twice a month, I would get like seven bags of laundry by myself and I would go take them all down to my car, go to the laundromat, dump them all in, wash them, dry them, fold them, back in the car, back up all the stairs, right? And I remember seeing Spence's socks and he would just take them off and they'd be bundled in a bunch. And the first couple times it happened, I'm like, it's okay. We're newly married. I'll just stretch them out, throw them in the washer. Not the big deal. Started adding like 10 minutes to my already four hour laundry experience. And I was getting very angry. So I asked him, baby, please, can you stretch your socks out? Don't leave them in a bunch. They stay wet and they don't dry and it's disgusting and it's the worst. Then the next time that I went to the, the laundromat, he didn't do it. And so that whole time I was sitting there like seething, yes. I was like, I'm going to go home and throw the socks in his face. Yeah. Like I was so mad. I was so mad. And I remember I came home, walked up my several flights of stairs, slammed the, the um, laundry down on the bed. And he was like, you're right. And I was like, no. And he's like, what happened? I was like, your socks happened. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I don't know what that means. What, what do you mean? I was like, your socks. They're always in a bunch. They don't dry. They don't wash correctly. I have to stretch them out. I have to put my hands on your dirty, filthy socks. Why can't you just stretch them out? Like I didn't go well. Right. Yeah. So like a loving husband, he gave me some time and some space to think about mm-hmm. where my actual mm-hmm. emotions were. Usually our emotions are like fruit on a tree and we can follow them back to the actual root of the issue. Yeah. So for me, the fruit was just anger. It was like, I was livid. And so I had to start doing like some digging. Like, why am I so angry? And when I sat with myself for a little bit and I probably needed a nap and like lunch, then I was able to see, like, I felt like he wasn't valuing my time and mm. I felt like he was disrespecting me. I felt like I was putting in this effort for our marriage mm. and allowing him to work from home during that, that specific time of like laundry day. Yeah. Um, and I was putting that, that burden of that chore on me without asking for his help. And I felt like even in my Mm. sacrifice, he was disrespecting and disregarding and devaluing me and my time. And so that's what it came down to. Like it it was that I felt disregarded, devalued. It wasn't about the socks. It had nothing to do with the socks. So I think when we go to our, the person who has offended us, we have to find out what the real issue is. First. Right? Yeah, first. Yes. Before we go to him yes. to, or to them. Because Spence was like, I don't get it. They're just socks. But when I went back to him and I said all that I just said about feeling devalued, he literally like teared up and was like, baby, I never want to make you feel that way. Yeah. Like, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't even realize that that's how you felt or that's what I was doing. Like, yeah. can you please forgive me? Yeah. And that man has never bunched his socks up since then. Oh, come praise on. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that is a praise report, folks. But it was seriously, it was something that like, I had to just do some evaluation. Yeah. I just had to work my stuff out and then I, I could clearly communicate what was actually hurting me mm-hmm. because that thing then led to reconciliation. Mm. It, it led to, oh, we can fix this because we know what the actual issue is. Yeah. We're just talking about the socks and there's no, yeah. can't fix that. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's a really good point. So if, if you're that heated in the moment, that may not be the moment. No. Like you still definitely need to talk to them. Yeah. But get to the, get to the root of it first. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and I think that what's your goal, right? Like if your goal yeah. if your goal is just to to get revenge or to take out your anger on somebody or I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, like yeah. that's not don't go with that. Yes. Don't go with that. Yes. Go if your goal should be out of somehow, usually if you're a Christian it comes from the Lord, a desire for reconciliation. Yeah. I love conflict because I love resolution. The conflict resolution sentence, mm-hmm. right? Like I love conflict resolution regardless of the conflict, because I know that in conflict, there's going to be a resolution. Yeah. Like I thrive in that. I, I will step into now that I've grown in my faith. I used to not be like that, but now that I've grown some, <laughs> 
I don't mind stepping into a conversation really with anybody and saying like, listen, I got to own some stuff. Even if I feel like I've only done 2% of the hundred percent here wrong, Mm -hmm. I still have 2% that I need to own. And then I need to present to you. Like this is the 98% that I feel like where you really hurt me. How can we work this out? Even if it ends in, okay, so we can't be friends anymore just for the sake of our safe, not safety, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. for the sake of our own faith and boundaries, yeah, boundaries. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay to leave a conflict resolution conversation with that separation. Like that's appropriate sometimes. Did you hear that? That's so key. What you just said. It's okay. Yeah. That you aren't friends forever. Yeah. Or that, or that you might never be able to talk again. That's okay. I think that God calls us to love people. Yeah. And even on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gave Judas communion. Jesus washed Judas's feet. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. So I think it's absolutely okay. I can love somebody dearly mm. and not incorporate them into my life because it, they're not healthy for me. Mm. I think that's okay. I think so too. Some people just get so stressed about like, oh my God, well, like we have to be friends and... Uh, if the, I have to love everybody and sometimes love takes the form of this friendship was a season or mm-hmm. this relationship was a season and it's and I mean I'm thinking about um, Paul and Barnabas mm-hmm. when they got in this huge disagreement actually so much so that they ended up splitting up yeah, and literally literally they ended their ministry together and both went separate ways and it was okay. Like you can be good with somebody and you don't need to be forever friends. For instance, actually, Kenz, as you're talking about kind of your approach now, um, after tour, you and I didn't talk for years. Yeah, that's probably accurate. In my mind, I was like, yeah, we, we ain't friends anymore. That's, mm-hmm. that's over. And um, then you reached out to me and you called me and we both had a really intense conversation of forgiveness really we weren't yelling at each other we were just like so remorseful and sorry yeah and and I think that was a healing time as well and it was it was beautiful because I actually can't imagine you not being in my life now I agree and I'd laugh a lot less oh thank you (laughs) um and but there were years in between that and and that was okay and that's that's what was needed for for God to get to both of our hearts separately I just keep keep thinking about people who are just like, I haven't gotten an apology. And is, is that worth fighting for an apology? Or are you fighting for a person? Like, are you fighting to be on the same team kind of thing? Yeah. And I, I just don't want that to get lost in translation of like, I wasn't waiting for Mackenzie to apologize. I didn't actually know if that was going to come. I was also in the wrong. It was just something that I was just like, yeah, I don't know what that was all about. And, but God used that time for both of us. So now let's address the topic of when people sweep issues under the rug. Mm. So you're trying to go to someone about something that um, hurt you. Mm-hmm. And not only do they not apologize, they actually make you sound stupid or belittle you. Mm. Um, Cause that's very damaging yeah. to people. Yeah. Um, you know, especially in, in church culture, if, if there's an issue with someone who's in, you know, leadership, God forbid, the last thing anyone wants to hear is, Hey, leaders not acting like a leader. What would you say to yeah. someone who's been made, made to feel terrible yeah. and over, overdoing something like just like, Oh, that didn't happen. You're blowing it out of proportion. Yeah. 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 I mean, personally, I have experienced that even in this conversation, you know, we've talked about how I was put into a space of leadership over the team. Um, on tour, there's no like adult tier adult, right? Mm. I was 21 and somehow in charge of a group of 14 people. Yeah. That's important to note. There was literally no one over the age of 20 something. Yeah. Leading the team of 20 somethings. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I, I didn't have an example and I remember when, you know, somebody approached me and, um, I'm sure we've even had this conversation. So back on tour when it was my, I think my second year, cause I think I toured two more years after you got off the road. Um, somebody would come to me and say like, Hey, I don't think that you're handling that right. Or I 
whatever the thing was. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I mean, I had, I had a kind of like a God complex. And I think scripture talks about like, don't give the new believer too much responsibility or leadership, lest they be puffed up with conceit and pride and arrogance. And that's exactly what happened to me. You know, I literally came on the road brand new to my faith. I hadn't been discipled by a human or enough time to be discipled by God, like the Holy Spirit or scripture or anything, you know? Um, And so when somebody told me I was doing something wrong, I figured because I was in leadership, I must have been doing something right to have gotten myself into leadership. Oh, wow. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. And so it was so easy for me to say like, okay, sure, but you don't understand the problems I'm actually dealing with. So I would push people's um, frustrations or or pain that I had been inflicting on them off to the side because I felt like, like what you're bringing to me is a morsel compared to this massive amount of issues that I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, I don't have time for this, but it wasn't really until I got off of tour and I had that time to process and think and look back and man, I hurt so many people. I didn't have an example of how to handle conflict because I was a brand new Christian. I didn't have an example of, of how to handle forgiveness. Like I, I was just lacking so much. I didn't know what I didn't know. But the most beautiful thing for me was when I got off tour and I had space to just heal for myself because I didn't ask to be put in the situations that I was put into. Mm. And so I felt hurt. When I took time to come back, the most beautiful and reassuring thing for me about my faith is that I've got one third of the Godhead living inside of me. Like I've got the Holy Spirit, right? And he is perfect truth. He doesn't ignore your sin, Mm. right? At some point in time, whether you come to me with something that I've done, that I've hurt you or, or something, whether it's you or it's the Holy Spirit, it will come to you. Yeah. It's going to come to you, yeah. right? Like you cannot be a Christian and not have your, the sins revealed to you. You cannot be pursuing a relationship with Jesus and not have that come up in your heart. And then it's our responsibility. It's, we have the opportunity to say, I'm going to pass. I'm going to ignore that. Right. I'm not going to pay attention to that mm-hmm. or to say, dang, I got to step into some conversations. Yeah. And there was a time where I literally got out, um, the group photos of every tour that I was on and I called every single person. Wow. And I just like tears in my eyes, like, Hey girl, I know that we toured two years ago, but I'm just now seeing, remember that time when I'm so sorry. And maybe you tried to come to me yeah. and I did, I wasn't open to hearing you now I am. And I hope my prayer has been for anybody that I had hurt in that leadership position that they would be granted with the grace and the freedom of forgiving me. Whether or not they've answered my phone calls or they've responded to my texts or they've opened up my Facebook messages, right? Like I know I've I've reached out to everybody and, and my prayer is like, even if you just deleted it and you never wanted to know what I had to say, my prayer is that you experience a freedom of forgiveness because I've no longer, I'm no longer carrying the burden of having hurt you. Wow. Because I've, I feel like I've, I've washed my hands. I've come to you. I've repented before you and before the Lord. Yeah. I, can't, I can't carry that anymore. Yeah. And I just pray that you would find that freedom. That's profound. Thank you for, for sharing that because you can see how much freedom you feel yeah. because of that as a result. And if you can't see what she looks like, she's, she's at complete pace. Like she, She's <laughs> beaming right now. Um, I like that you said it's important for us to see examples of conflict Mm. because that seems to be something we don't get to see a lot of. Unless you watch reality TV. There it is. And that's the wrong type of conflict. Yeah. Um, And if you're afraid, quote unquote, of confrontation, let me just tell you that I felt the exact same same way. Um, I'm not normally the person that's like, Okay, so we need to talk about something. Um, but I realized if I kept saying I'm not good at confrontation, it was a guarantee I for sure was never going to be good yeah. at confrontation. So I just needed to kind of bite the bullet and do it anyways, even if it was messy, even if I was misinterpreted sure. for yeah. it, um, because it was better to try than not at all. And I think 
that's something that a lot of people see as a strength in me today, honestly. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I'm just talking to people. Like, I'm just telling them how, yeah. how I feel. And when I was in the thick of not wanting to forgive someone um, who had hurt me in the church, quote unquote, there were two verses that stood out to me. And one, I feel like God took my misdirection of it and used it the right way. When I read that it says in the Bible, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Because I was like, oh baby, I bet God's revenge is going to be a lot worse than mine. So I'll take that. Um, and it honestly, it really, like, I feel like God said, okay, well, I guess the good thing is that you actually have reverence for what I can do, but the bad news is that you want someone to have vengeance. And I think of, I think of, um, Jonah, because what a lot of people don't know about (laughs) Jonah is that he wasn't, he didn't end up in a whale because he was afraid of the city God was calling him to Nineveh. He actually ended up in a whale. I mean, I don't need to go through the whole story, but the main part of it is he wasn't running out of fear. He was running because he didn't want God to save people that he hated. And true. that has always rocked me yeah. because vengeance in God's eyes can look a lot more like redemption uh, if we give it the opportunity for it. And um, that's something that's freed me a lot. And also I, I believe it's in Luke 6. Um, if it's not, the verse says something to the tone of everything that's hidden in darkness will be brought into the light. Mm-hmm. And um, when I, I read that for the first time, I was like, oh God, I better get it out. I don't want it to be brought into the light by somebody else. And it made me take, take accountability really seriously yeah. to make sure I didn't have something that was in the darkness, but also going directly to a person and trying to, to work and wrestle through it together. And something that's profoundly impacted me is this phrase and it is if you are actually trying to love someone well and that's why you're coming to them then you're never calling somebody out you're always calling them up Up. yes and I just want to encourage everyone who's who maybe you're like feeling this right now in your spirit you're like okay well I guess I gotta talk to somebody but they're not gonna like it it's gonna be bad just stop maybe it won't be as as bad as you think it is because maybe somebody just needed to see an example of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you might be the first person to show it to them. And you might be the first person who's ever, like you've never seen it yourself. You're just winging it. But you can rest assured that if you're inviting God into it, he's going to be there. He's going to be there in that conversation. And um, yeah, so I just want to encourage everyone who's like really scared of this, term called confrontation um i think it's important too that we that we as much as we beg and hope that people would give us grace when we think about the things that we've done mm. that we would turn that around and extend the same amount of grace hello bob goff says grace is cheap until you need some yes yeah yeah and that's so true so true so true it's so easy to say f that guy yeah <laughs> Yeah. But the thought of somebody saying that about me like brings me to tears. Mm. You know, I'm like, no, wait, I didn't know. Wait, I I mean, I would have apologized had I seen or like I in my naturalness, I just like I crave that like wait, but let me tell you my side of the story. Yeah. And it's so painful that we we beg for that grace from other people. Yeah. But man, we don't give it back. We just don't. No. We just don't give it back. No. Man, if we just take a second to actually bring ourselves back to who actually am I? Why, why do I think I'm better than this person? And why do I think I deserve grace but don't want to give it? Yeah, that's something I've been challenged to do because of, like, as we're talking about, the freedom that comes off of you yeah. when you just decide. And it's not about letting it go. It's about directing it and giving it to God to handle. And I don't like, this could be another thing in itself, but like the difference of like, how do you know when you've forgiven someone? I think you feel it. Mm. Like if you have to say, oh, I forgave them, but did you? That's, that's something I've, I've had to, to really wrestle with. Yeah. Yeah. It's a choice too. Um, I recently was hurt by somebody in the church. I think more than I th- 
than I've ever been. Um, and I was completely blindsided. I had no idea that there was an issue mm. between the two of us. Mm. And then their actions like made it very clear that there was, um, there wasn't any communication about it. And, um, that hurt just, man, it, it ate me up. And that was probably the hardest situation I've had to forgive up till this point. And that was just a couple months ago. Mm. Um, and I remember somebody asking me about my friendship with them and about a, that situation ish. And I remember saying like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm cool. Like I'm cool. I've forgiven them. And then literally like the next sentence was like on the tip of my tongue. And I just wanted to put them out. Mm. Like, I just wanted to say like, this is what they did to me. Yeah. Like this, this is the experience. You can see how this is unfair, right? Yeah. Like I, I had to like literally bite my tongue hmm. to keep me from doing what we were doing earlier. Yeah. Like finding a common enemy. Yeah. Like part of me was like, I just need somebody to hear my side because you, then somebody would, you would know that this is, this is absurd. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not the bad guy here. Yeah. <laughs> and I just so badly wanted, I wanted to be vindicated. Hmm. Like I just mm-hmm. wanted my name to be cleared because yeah. it was like, I didn't, I, I did the right thing. Yeah. How am I on this end? Yeah. And I was so, so hurt. And I had to accept and give my space, like myself space for like, oh God, if I'm honest, four or five months mm. of just like praying through this like deep, genuine pain like this like illness like this I felt sick to my stomach when I thought about it and I was mad and I wanted to call them and then I thought of several conversations that I would have with them and how they would go and (laughs) I didn't though and I was thankful I chose to practice self-control even though my mind went a lot of other places I didn't taint their name to anybody else and that was so hard for me. Yeah. Like so hard yeah. because I wanted everybody to know that my hands, that I felt like my hands were clean in that. Yeah. And then after a couple months of like really like genuinely praying about it, trying to follow like the fruit on the tree to the root, like where, where are my actual, where are my emotions actually leading me? What is the root of why I feel so hurt? And being able to believe that I could communicate that in a conversation to them out of a loving place. Um, and then I actually went to church and they were talking about forgiveness. Don't you hate that? I do, yeah. I did in that moment. I did. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. Um, and I knew that I needed to just make, I needed to send a text that would set up a phone call. And I knew that hearing their voice would, would bring up, would bubble stuff up in me. Um, and so I, I literally wrote things down that I wanted to say when I was level-headed yes. and I wasn't emotional. Yeah. Um, and then I just wanted to apologize for whatever I had done that had set them to make that decision because I must have done something. And then that opening up that conversation with my apology immediately brought down their defenses Hmm. and we were able to have a conversation and I heard their side and I totally understood. Hmm. I understood why they made the decision that they made Hmm. and it was, it freed me to be able to forgive them for real in that moment. I hadn't, I hadn't forgiven them up to that point. And it wasn't until I had the conversation with them that I was able to, even at the end of the conversation, tears streaming down my face, just say, I, I love you. Mm. And then it's okay to set up some boundaries after that. I don't feel that, that heaviness anymore. Wow. I don't have the desire to vindicate my name. I don't, I don't need to do that. Mm. It's, not, it's not my place, you know? Yeah, sorry if you can hear the airplane in the background. Um, I think that's so beautiful because essentially you gave someone the opportunity to share how you hurt them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just as hard. Yeah. Is having to listen to what you absolutely don't agree with. Oh yeah. Right. You're like, yeah, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I didn't mean that. You're crazy. Yeah. And then they're like crying and they're like, no, but I guess here's, here's what I'm being challenged with right now is, am I giving people the opportunity to hear my heart? Mm-hmm. And am I giving people the opportunity to hear theirs? Yeah. Or am I putting that wall up that people think it's just impenetrable? She's so hard-headed. Yeah. She's, she will never see that she was wrong. Like, yeah. That's really convicting in the best of ways. And, and what I like about conviction is it shows me where I need to focus. Yeah. So I think that's really great. Um, thank you for sharing that. So as you're talking about um, 
vindication. I'm someone who, whenever something is done wrong to me, I, I'm a verbal processor. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm just talking about me in this moment. I'm someone who sees loyalty as a parallel to, I need you to be my ally Mm. right now. And that's, and that's really tricky because that isn't necessarily the best thing No, because, um, I have some friends that are way better than, than I, who are like always trying to, to show me maybe how it could be perceived differently. Right. Right. Or maybe was that really their heart? What was that their intention behind it? And I'm like, hold up. I just want you to say, you know what? You're hurting. I acknowledge that. And I'm your ally right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. I just want, I just want a buddy. Mm-hmm. I just want that because that's what I parallel with loyalty. But like, talk to me. What's, what's the, the fatal flaw of that approach and how can I rectify that in my mind? Yeah. I think your community is huge. You want to surround yourself with people who will, for us as Christians, who will help you to be more like Jesus. Yeah. And sometimes that means your friends tell you that you're wrong. I hate that. And that's my answer, though. <laughs> yeah. Just choose friends that'll tell you that you're wrong when you're wrong. And what helps, what helps your heart posture now? Um, having been told, you know, years ago, I think you're doing this wrong, then being like, what's, what's wrong with you? I'm fine. Yeah. Like, I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. in leadership for a position. Like, how have you gotten your heart prepared when you're not necessarily prepared in those moments like when people's like when someone's like hey we need to talk and you're yeah. like oh gosh yes I'm yeah. in trouble yeah and but you don't actually know what they're gonna say yes how how can you prepare on the fly in those moments what's your recommendation I don't know okay. I still get sick to my stomach yeah. when I get those texts yeah. and I think of everything yeah everything that I've said everything I've done didn't say didn't do in the past yeah three weeks I'm like well did I what did I miss? Did I miss? I don't know. Yeah. You know, and I just rack my brain, rack my brain. Totally. I try to just stay open. I try to say, yeah, we'll meet up. And then I have a friend. <laughs> she always tells me, run the worst case scenario. Yes. Play it out. Yes. Then you're over it, right? Yes. You've experienced it in your mind, and then if that's what happens, then at least you're you're prepared. That's so true. That that. And I try that, yes. but it's, it's scary. Oh, it's so scary. Yeah. You're like, well, they're never going to talk to me. They're going to talk to everyone about me. It's going to be the worst. Everyone's going to hate me. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, great. The end. I'll move on. Yep. That's it. That's it. If if that's what it comes down to, God's still going to be there. Yep. That's it. That's good. I yeah. No, I appreciate that. And and I know that we're like in this like positive culture movement. It's like mm, just be positive, but it's like no. Sometimes it actually helps taking it to the worst case scenario, and then realizing, oh my, yeah, come on, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, like look, and then if you say it out loud, it's even better. Then then people are like, you do realize how preposterous how this that sounds, is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, like that's not gonna happen because of this little thing. Yeah, that's good. I know we talked about um, examples of conflict and just to give like a specific scenario that that both of us or you can speak to um you know I had a friend recently ask me why are there so many churches that say come as you are you're welcome here but when you walk in you don't feel welcome because everyone is just talking to each other and it's like clickville is Mm. is how they phrased it because um my friend was sharing with me that was their experience. And they actually, the moment they walked into the place that said, hey, we love you, you're welcome here, yeah. they were hurt. Yeah. They were like, I feel like I was invited to a certain lunch table and then all the seats were taken. Oh. And I was like, oh, I want to hug them. Right. You can come sit with me. Right. See, but like, but why? Why? Why do we do that? Why yeah. are we, why are we like in those moments and we just completely forget what it's like yeah. to be that person. Yeah. So, so if, if that's been your experience, I apologize because I'm for sure guilty of that. I come into church, I see my friends, I'm like, ah! completely forget about the fact that somebody is walking in there for the first time. Um, but yeah, Ken's, how, can we, how can we be better? Like what, what challenge would you give the church, AKA the people in the church? Go say hi to somebody. That's, Maybe that's a good place to start. Yes. But it's also tough today because 
you're, we're in a pandemic. Right. And so when you see your friends at church, it might be the only time that you're seeing your friends. Totes. But see your friends and say hi to somebody, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Two people. We should just be chameleons and have one eye on our friends, one eye on... But what I do want to say is, listen, it's okay to be scared coming into a new place. Um, but let's be careful to not put the blame on, on one group of people for, for maybe not acknowledging you. And I've been in both places, okay? So, so I'm speaking from experience. Um, I don't mind sharing this. Recently, I, um, I started going to a different church. Um, so a church that I've been going to for most of my life, stepped away from for a season, and um, nobody reached out to me yeah. for, I think, eight to 10 weeks. And I have actually heard this said from other people that one of the reasons they um, left was because they felt like nobody cared about them. And I'm choosing to not take that posture. Pause. So right here, I realized that I did not clarify correctly and piece everything together that I was trying to explain in the moment because I had discussed it with Mackenzie prior to starting the recording. So to give some context, I recently stepped away for a season from the church that I have gone to for most of my life. And that was not a decision based upon people at all. I love everyone there. I just honestly wanted to, to try something different and try a change of pace. And um, I have heard people tell me before that they have been upset that nobody has reached out to them when they've left a church and it's validated that their leaving was correct because nobody paid attention to them, nobody saw them and quite honestly, I have decided that I think that would be an unfair expectation to have upon people to notice if I were not in the room because if people were noticing if I'm not there, that means they're not fully focused on being with Jesus in church in that moment. So. Just wanted to clarify that right there. I never had an expectation or a desire for someone to reach out. So whenever I said it took someone eight to 10 weeks, I was saying that to say that I wasn't deterred by that at all. That's why I'm choosing not to take offense. And my challenge is for anyone who's in a similar situation to maybe question, why do I have that expectation and let that offense down as well. Okay, back to the conversation. I think we need to give each other the benefit of the doubt when yeah. it comes when it comes down to it and and joining a small group for instance can be very scary walking into somebody's house I mean like I just remember how how terrified multiple people were walking into the small group I held last year um because it's it's freaking weird okay we can acknowledge that but I think it would be dangerous and um for lack of a better term silly to to blame not feeling a community or not feeling part of something as solely someone else's responsibility. Yeah. Um, so I think we all need to start taking responsibility for, Hey, this is going to feel uncomfortable. I might have to literally come up to somebody at this unknown place and have a conversation with them. So they know I'm new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I just want to challenge all of us to, to just start seeing each other as humans yeah, I last year I had some friends who ended up leaving the church that uh, we've been going to for a couple years, and I noticed that they, um, like one week they weren't there, and another week and another week they weren't there, mm -hmm. and so it had been several weeks that I hadn't seen them um, that I finally reached out to them, and uh, I, I mean, you just never know. You never know why somebody stops coming. Like, you just never know. Yes. So I would have hated if something like serious happened and either I put my nose in something I shouldn't have or if they were hurting and nobody was there for them. Yes. Right? It's like yes. an awkward situation. Yes. Like, hey girl, haven't seen you at church in a while. How's yeah. it going? Yes. You know? And then, then there's like that little bit of a weird tension about like, oh, well, I started going to a different church. But why is that weird? That like, this is what I want to talk about. Why, why is that... Why, why do we make that weird? I, so I don't personally think it's weird. Yeah. I think that there are, sometimes there are churches for, for different seasons. Yes. And I feel like this is a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I think, I think it's okay to, to move from one church to another yeah. just based on your own 
maturing. It doesn't mean that the, that previous church was immature. It's just yeah. your own faith and where you are and what that community looks like or whatever the thing is. Yeah. I don't think it's weird at all. I never want to add salt to a wound, right? Sure. Like I don't ever want to accidentally sure. hurt somebody sure. by asking a question, but I also want to check in, but yes. I'm, I'm not looking for like gossip or like yeah, something. I just want to like, Hey, you're okay though. Right. Yeah. I don't care what church you go to. Yeah. Just want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. The same goes for like, if there's a breakup, right. If there's a breakup that happens within a church, what I've noticed is either both people stop going there or the one person has to leave mm. because it's so awkward. And like, this goes back to like the taking sides thing, but can we flip the perspective on this once and for all? If it's awkward, it's okay. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, which, which is more fruitful? Not which would you rather do? Which one do you think is more beneficial? Reaching out to someone who may have felt hurt, which was not the case from me at all. So I just want to make that clear. Who may have felt hurt, who may have felt this, who may have been going through this mm-hmm. and nobody's checked in mm-hmm. or just to be like, oh, I don't know. It might be something that I shouldn't know about. Like of all times to want to actually right. be there for another human being, it's when you notice they're not there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I, just, want, I just want this new perspective and I want people in my life to, to always call it out yeah. in me, call it up in me of, about having like, wait a second. If you're feeling that, if God put it, has put it on your heart to think about this person, maybe that's for a reason. Yeah. Maybe we can lean into that. Yeah, I and, agree. And maybe that could, like, heal yeah. some, some quote-unquote church hurt that someone's been experiencing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think this has been a good conversation. I think so, too. I, uh, I hope that if you're listening, you have found uh, something that's, that's been beneficial to you. And I also want to say, Ken's, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it. You didn't tell me to say this, but if you personally have been going through however long the season has been of feeling pain, uh, or quote unquote church hurt, I'm going to put Mackenzie's Instagram and you know, mine in there. And if you want someone to talk to and actually just show you love, we're both willing to do that. See how I just put words in your mouth like that? Yeah. Come sit with me. See? Come sit with me. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. There's always a seat open at my lunch table. And maybe, but maybe you don't know that they're there. So you just need to know, hey, they're looking for a seat. Yep. So see, let's, let's partner up and just make the world a better place. Let's do it, so. And make sure we're looking out for people. Yeah. And always assuming the best intentions of other people. Yeah. That's not an accidentally intentional. That's very, very intentional. Yeah. Making that choice. Intentionally intentional. Intentionally intentional, folks. Hurt doesn't need to last forever. And forgiveness, no matter what, how long that takes, whatever form that takes, you will feel more free as a result, no matter what the harm has been that's done to you. And I can imagine there's a lot of trauma for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's okay to be grieving. It's okay to be hurting. And it's also okay to let yourself heal too. Mm Mm-hmm. Boom. That's it. Well, I know this was a long one, so I hope you found this to be a thought-provoking and challenging conversation because my goal is to always bring conversations that build us. If you were challenged in this episode and would like a couple resources that you could follow up with and do some work on on your own, uh, one of them would be Mike Todd at Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's currently doing a series called Forgiveness University, and I believe you can tune into those on a podcast or YouTube format. Those would be really awesome. I love all of those messages that he's doing right now. And the second would be from speaker and author Lisa Turkhurst, who has just written and will soon be releasing a book called How to Forgive When You Can't Forget. So those would be two awesome resources right there. But now let's move on to the takeaways. One, we are not called to carry the burden of hate. And that's what it is. It's a burden. Number two, find the root of an issue and why you feel hurt and also discover and pinpoint what your goal would be in a conversation before having a conversation. Is the goal to fight for reconciliation or to just fight to win an argument and get an apology? Number three, sometimes we just need to remove ourselves from situations long enough to actually heal from ourselves. Number four, it wasn't necessarily addressed, but I think it was a common theme throughout the conversation about expectations and really looking inward and and deciding, 
are the expectations I have, are they reasonable? And if we've concluded that they are, are we giving people the opportunity to learn and understand what our expectations are by us communicating to them? And number five, it's okay if certain friendships and relationships do not last forever. Now there's a difference in holding a grudge against someone because of that and trying to find reconciliation and then setting up appropriate boundaries after that, but it is okay if something is just for a season and not forever. Guys, I hope you heard our hearts on this, especially in conversations like these. I want to know what your takeaways were. But first I have one question. Was there someone that came to mind as you were listening to this episode? Because if so, please share it with them. We're so passionate about this message and we wanna give value to the people that would benefit from it. We drop a new episode every other Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to get the latest conversations. Oh, and one more thing. If you enjoyed this episode and this podcast, I would be so honored if you would leave a review. It helps us to better connect with the intended audience of this podcast by doing so. And I truly am so grateful for any amount of time that you choose to spend with me because trust me, I know how many options are out there and I do not take it for granted. Seriously, I just, wow, I just really appreciate you. And hey, I may not know your name yet, but let's change that. Connect with me on Instagram at Zoe Asher or on Twitter at Combos with Zoe. But hey, even if I don't know your name yet, what I do know for certain is that you're amazing. I love you. You have something that the world needs and you are always more than enough. So hey, we'll see you next time on the Accidentally Intentional Podcast.